0: has been paid for by the WZWA Network.
1: Welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California. It's a joy to be with you all once again. And speaking of a joy, right here, right now, I get the opportunity to speak to somebody that I am a huge, huge fan of from his time in professional wrestling and beyond. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Monday Night, Mr. Pay-Per-View, the whole. Fucking show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rob. Damn, damn. How are you, sir? Excellent. Did you say
0: uh joy or a joint? I wasn't <laughs> sure.
1: Everything, stuff, bro. everything is fantastic. Thank you for asking. No problem, mate. um Awesome stuff to have you on the show, Rob. I wanted to start things off by talking about your YouTube channel that you've got going right now um uh youtube.com forward slash the real rvd uh tell me a little bit about this channel and 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 what um i guess your ideas are for uh this channel going forward yeah so
0: i've had the channel for a really long time and i i took a break from it for like 13 years or something kind of forgot i even had it and then uh recently um maybe about a year ago or so i started uh started loading stuff back up on it and uh, building up some uh, fresh new eyes on it. So, so what I've been doing is, uh, filming my adventures. You know, I was in, uh, Canada wrestling, uh, this, this last weekend, the weekend before I was in Japan. And, uh, so I bring the, um, bring the, the phone, you know, film the stuff, edit, edit, edit little videos on it. And it's the, uh, is the way to keep up with me right now. That's the the, the most uh, current platform, um, and I try to uh, update it at least uh, at least weekly so that everyone can uh, see what's what's going on with RVD. So whether it's me traveling to wrestle or whether it's just uh, some things in town here. I live in Las Vegas, uh, whatever. Um, try to uh, try to keep everybody updated. So. It'd be nice to uh, have uh, more eyes on the page and, and incentivize me more to uh to keep being good at getting the content because it really is fun
1: excellent stuff yeah i think i just seen on the channel a, a match with you and bam bam is up on there uh i also checked out a few other videos of you traveling around and uh uh you're at this nifty little airport um tell them tell yeah, everyone about that just-
0: Oh, I'm always at a, I'm always at an airport <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah that's uh um the the wrestling matches we've only started putting those up like maybe a month ago or so so that's like a right. uh, fairly new and we have a bunch of other stuff uh footage archive old footage new new footage um but um I don't know I don't know if I want to put all all the best for it immediately um, when not enough people are looking at it. So that's the uh, that's the thing. Or do you put everything out there to get to draw everybody in? I don't know. So I'm, I'm uh, picking the heads of uh, some of my friends that have YouTube channels and getting their advice on on that stuff too. You know, I'm a big fan of YouTube. I watch uh, I watch First Amendment auditors where uh, people. Uh, <laughs> people challenge the, the police officers with the actual laws not just with the the orders that they're barking and <laughs> and uh it, it's pretty interesting <laughs> yeah and youtube I watch is mafia. An... also watch mafia that's an area of uh uh an area of interest for me is uh mostly la cosa nostra and uh, and associates so that's a big <laughs> part of youtube also
1: <laughs> cool yeah youtube is a uh, really uh it's it's a it's a strange uh, i suppose avenue because like we've been, we've had our channel for a few years now and we're still trying to uh get ourselves deep into that algorithm i suppose you could say so it's 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 a really difficult process and it's hard to figure out but um i'm sure you will get there for sure and and there's another thing i wanted to ask you about another passion of yours which is comedy um because i did Jeez, it must have been about 12 years ago I did stand-up comedy and uh, I've also been uh, a local professional wrestler in the past as well. And I found uh, performing for comedy to be more nerve-wracking for me than performing in the ring or, or when I was in a band as well. Um, I found comedy to just be more nerve-wracking than anything. Tell me a little bit about how you find going up there and performing for comedy. Um. I think if if if
0: if any nerves arise, they're they're similar to before a match. Whereas it's only it's only the thought of I don't want to fuck up, you know. So I hope, hopefully, I remember everything that I want to remember, which I'm not going to. Depending on how long I'm up there, I'm usually going to forget one or two things, and yeah. I'm just trying not to. So I'm trying to in my head, you know. Uh, Make some kind of path that goes from A to B to C, so I can try to collect everything along the way. But I, I have a lot of fun with it, and uh, I'm pretty calm up there. Um, and you know, just like with everything else, over time and the more I did it, the, the, the better I got, the more comfortable I am, and also better making decisions. You know, about uh, what to say and what not to say, and you know, some some stuff uh, you got to let it go. Like no matter how hard you think it's funny if it's not getting the the reaction from everybody for whatever reason some stuff you gotta let go but yeah like the last uh, three or four times I went up I wrote a new thing each time a new set Uh, I enjoy writing and then I enjoy visualizing how the audience will react and then delivering it and getting that gratification it's very much like wrestling in, in, in that way
1: yeah that's a good point yeah I remember when I did it i i i I found that I did quite well, but there were times where I was like this bit's gonna kill, and then I hit that line and then I realize it's not going there, so then right I- you
0: weren't planning for that oh <laughs> <Right.
1: laughs> yeah. uh, cool yeah. uh, the the next thing I wanted to ask you about we're gonna be jumping like all over the place here in, uh from bits and pieces from your life rob uh i've asked i think about. 10 to 12 guys from ecw this question i've even had um four guys from xpw about this i want to make a big video where I, we have one person one after another tell them their personal story of what uh their experience was at ecw heatwave 2000 when the incident took place with xpw at ringside there um if you were involved in anything that took place after the drama sta- started uh, happening Please uh, share your story with with uh, myself. As I remember it, I
0: was just uh, just going into the shower when things were just starting, and I, I heard a little bit of a you know potential rumble going on, and, and I decided you know it's usually it's nothing but hyped up drama, and I figured you know uh, I'll, I'm probably making the better choice just getting in the shower not, not realizing what all was going on, you know, but uh, I could have just spent somebody screaming words at each other. Uh, but I took a shower and when I got out of the shower, I couldn't believe it was still going on. Like it was, uh, like it lasted that long. And it was moving around from inside to outside and all that. And, uh, and then I kind of, uh, regretted not running out there. Cause I thought uh, by the chance I, by the time I find out about it and I'm in my flip-flops and a towel, I figured <laughs> by the time, by the time I go uh, and get dressed and run out there, I, I thought everything would be over anyway. So I was like, ah, you know, whatever, I'm in the shower and it was still going on and still, uh, still going on strong, like, uh, after the shower and then I'm getting dressed. And I'm like, are, are this still going on? And, you know, finally, finally it was over, but it seems like the actual amount of time from uh, the start, whether it was when I don't know if it was when Tommy reached over the guardrail or, or something, whatever the start was till till uh, till the, they stopped the fighting. Um I, it must have been like 15, 20 minutes.
1: <laughs> Excellent. I was I was finally I was finally I've got somebody that was in the shower or something when this took place. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just i I have this idea in mind of all these different people's stories and there I was like there's got to be at least one person that somehow missed out on this because of that so I mean that was me yep. <laughs> awesome awesome uh now I want to take this all the way back to the 4th of August 1990 uh it's big time wrestling at the Toledo Speedway this card features Ken Patera, Sabu, The Sheik but also listed on this card uh from my research uh there's a kickboxing match between yourself who was listed as Rob Zatt. Uh, I could be wrong, but if this is what it said, against a guy by the name of Dango Wynn. Um, I wanted you to tell me a little bit about this, but also tell me a little bit about your friend Dango, because he seemed like quite an interesting guy. Dango
0: was always around for everything. He shared in all of my adventures. Uh, we We've been best friends since sixth grade, uh, we went to the wrestling shows together as fans. We went to uh, kickboxing practice. We entered the Tough Man Contest together. Uh, he he entered uh, the Sheik's Wrestling School. I started first, got a couple months ahead of him, and I would show him what I was learning. And then eventually we brought him in. The Sheik's wrestling class was very small, like, like, like four people. It wasn't a bunch of... Uh, students lined up you know taking bumps it was very personalized you know if there was five people at one at one time that was that'd be like a full full house it was usually just me and dango and sabu and then there was uh, two other guys that would rotate tom and uh, also george sometimes they'd be there sometimes not um so dango was always uh my best friend we were always very competitive and uh those first professional matches that I had were at the the Sheik's show and to control us and control um, our exposure because we were so young and green, they would set up a kickboxing match. They did this at three or four shows where uh, Dango and I, we were both kickboxers. So we would have our gloves and foot pads on And we would be uh, uh, throwing some kicks, you know, going at each other at some point during that match, things get heated, the gloves come off, and we, we, you know, we start fighting, and then it's like a pull apart. Those were some of my first matches to control um, the exploitation without exposing too much, you know. Right, cool. Yeah, because I also...
1: They go past
0: go passed a couple of years ago from uh, cancer, by the way. Um, crazy. He was a, a fireman, but he was still, he w- he went to USWA and was wrestling with me uh, there, you know, when we started out in those early years and uh, definitely an interesting character.
1: Yeah, I saw that he uh, also might have done a bit of stunt work and things of that yeah. nature. Yeah. yeah. Cool, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask a little bit about him because, um, you know, it seemed like uh, he was right there with you and Sabu. Uh, during those days and i kind of just felt like his name doesn't get brought up when people speak to you so um thought it was important to do so um appreciate it no problem Uh, another thing i want to ask you about uh the van dam lift i wanted some clarification on this because i was trying to do some googling couldn't figure it out do you still hold the world record for the van dam lift
0: i don't know i have no idea actually um I don't know which way to lean on that. I was gonna say probably, but I might not. I I have seen just recently somebody was showing me um, some kind of footage I'd never seen before of, of people coming after after me with that. And I didn't I didn't even know that they ever did. Like there was no way to contact me or anything, you know. And and it wasn't like there was uh, meets or tournaments uh, held, you know, for it. It was just that one organization that officiated it, the uh, All around Weightlifters Association, and maybe it was on their site. But I saw some people. Uh, it, usually, whenever I see somebody doing the Van Dam lift, they they have a little variant to it. So then I'm like, well, they made it their own instead of just trying to beat my record. Maybe you know, for instance, like I held a, a dumbbell up in front of me, and I've seen. Uh, Like I see a guy that can do it with a barbell or a guy with a a girl standing on each leg, Um, different things like that. Um, Someone doing curls or something in the split. So, so they made it different. So I don't know if anybody has actually come along and actually beat the, the record of 166 and a half pounds or or not.
1: Right. Yeah. I I saw a video of a guy. uh, He was, he was doing the splits across the two chairs, but he lifted a, a weight with his, it was like a, 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 I don't know, some sort of rope connected to it with his with his teeth and he lifted yeah, it amazing. up. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, next question I have for you is, can you tell me a little bit about a young man by the name of Matt Byrne? Uh, yes, I can. Um,
0: young in my career, when I was living in Florida and was still learning, but had a little bit of momentum behind the name, Rob Van Dam. I'd had been, I'd had about a year of being Rob Van Dam wrestling in front of the fans and in a few magazines. You know, I definitely had, had some steam behind that and was going places for sure. Um, WWF came through town and Pat Tanaka, Hooked up a lot of the local boys with uh, doing jobs, which uh, back then was wrestling with a veteran uh, in a veteran showcasing. You know, squash matches used to be the way it used to be, always like a one-sided match. And anyway, um, I ended up uh, traveling with somebody else. To, uh, no, first uh, he said he was going to get get me on the list and and whatever for whatever reason. They, they didn't, they couldn't use me. Um, so Pat got me on the next town, but we had to drive all the way up to Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, and I think New Orleans, it was, it was two shows back to back. But anyway, at the time I was wrestling for like 30, 35 bucks on a Thursday night at the Sportatorium. So to get $150 to do a match for WWF was really good money. Uh, but I didn't want to be seen on the TV getting beat. And that was going to be the deal. I was only going to be there for the purpose of getting one of their stars over. Uh, but myself and then another wrestler, Sunny Beach, Sandy Beach. Yeah. yeah, there's been a bunch of both of those. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we went there uh, and I wanted to change my look as much as possible. So instead of having the ponytail and whatever, I, 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 I had my hair out. I wore blue. Trunks, white boxing boots. I really tried to change my look. And I also called myself uh, Matt Byrne uh, or Matt Burns. Thinking of all the Matt Burns I had on my elbows and knees, I thought that'd be a great name for a wrestler. And they, they went right over their head. They didn't laugh at it or ever. They were just, you know, like uh, trying to put the name down on the list to get the name and weight right. And, And so they called it out there and I wrestled actually two matches. One, I don't, I don't think I've seen it, but I wrestled in a handicap match against Sid, Sid Vicious. And um, it was actually embarrassing being two against one (laughs) and having to get thrown around like a doll. But he, he is a giant, but, but the ego inside of me that was trying to protect whatever momentum I had going for RVD, you know, had issues. Issues with that. Sorry, I got the hiccups. I had it for two, two days. Two days they keep going back. um and then uh, the other match I wrestled the the mounty and um I actually wore a, sh- a shirt that I was warming up in. I just wore it out to, to the ring and said, Fuck, that's uh that's a pretty good idea to change my look. I came back through the gorilla. And um, the agents were mumbling, What? No, he didn't. No, did he? What? Are you serious? What? Hey, hey, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon calls me over. He says, You weren't wearing that shirt out there in the match, were you? Because I still had it on. <laughs> yeah, I, I had it on uh, before and uh, did what? Oh, no, we might not be able to use that now. Why would you do that? Why would you be so thoughtful? Oh, thoughtless as to wear the shirt during your match um i didn't know it mattered <laughs> i was i was just just 21 22 year old kid feeling really awkward but um that's that was my experience with matt burns i had the two matches one with bounty and one with
1: uh, sid <laughs> awesome stuff bro <laughs> um Okay, uh, now now I'm going to be springing over to uh, September 19th, 1999. This is kind of like a strange one. A lot of questions are out there about this where on the internet where I don't seem to be getting a clear answer. Uh, Villa Park, Illinois, Odium Expo Centre. You're advertised to face the British bruiser, Johnny Smith, but instead mm-hmm. you face Balls Mahoney. Do you know what happened there and why you didn't end up facing Johnny on the pay-per-view? <laughs> I I
0: don't remember. I don't remember. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, just from the way you set it up there, I mean, he could have just had flight problems. You know, could have had travel problems getting in. Could have had a flight cancel or something. But I honestly don't know. Yeah, I do remember. Right, I do remember the match though, wrestling balls and doing my big dive out to the crowd from the top rope because he was one of like three people that I felt comfortable doing that to <gasps> him, Bam Bam and uh, Baba Dudley doing that dive too, because they were strong.
1: And, and, uh, and a, uh, and quite a big target to hit as well, which is. Uh, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I wanted to talk about, invasion 2001 uh and, and i just I, I didn't have a question really i just wanted to tell you a story from uh, mine and my friend's perspectives when we first uh saw you perform on that show um so this is 2001 we live in perth western australia so we barely had any knowledge of ecw we knew some names we pro played the video game um, but we didn't know a whole lot. We had no access to footage. We didn't know how to t- t- take trade at the time either. So we just heard of these names and we were going to watch this pay-per-view. And I guess what I wanted to say was that me and my, all, you know, we're all 14 years old. We're watching this show. We see you against Jeff. And like, we, we can't even like stay in our seats. We're in our friend's lounge room. We can't stay in our seats. We're on our feet. Unable to believe like what we're seeing because we already we all loved Jeff Hardy, like the Hardy boys were were huge for me and a lot of uh, fans during that time or teenage fans during that time. But when we saw you, we were like, who is this guy? This guy's this guy is amazing. This guy is amazing. And when I look back at it and I see a lot of fans in the building at the time. I kind of feel like maybe a lot of those, uh, you know, teenage fans, a lot of those just WWF fans, maybe not uh, been exposed to you in the, uh, the mid-90s uh, when you, you, you showed up on Raw. But I just feel like a whole heap of people got exposed to you, saw somebody that wrestled like no one that they'd ever seen before. And I'm not just saying all this just to <laughs> blow smoke up your ass or anything, but I'm just telling you, I felt it, I saw it in the audience. Did you feel it too? Did you feel like all of a sudden, just like that, this was a pretty big uh, moment for you? I
0: I have had that happen, but not, not at that moment. Uh, at that moment, it was just another good moment. You know, I always liked re- wrestling with Jeff. I know, you know, a little bit of what to expect because we both both are very like-minded. We're not gonna be struggling to, to try to meet halfway from opposite ends of the ballpark because we're not gonna be that far off. We both have a similar idea of what's cool. Uh, we know each other's moves and we vibe similarly. Um, so, I know that the match is gonna kick ass and, and something like that, being that high profile and everything, it, it felt like just one more, you know, home run. Like, boom, I got another. I, I did feel that one moment where all of a sudden, boom, the crowd switched and treated me completely different. That was back 98 after I beat Bam Bam Bigelow for the uh, television title. After that, it was one of one of those moments where everything was just different. And all of a sudden they treated me like I was a much bigger star, you know, and started just rocking the buildings with my uh applause that I was getting and you know, all the cheers. Um But when I was with WWE at, th- at that point, you know, uh, coming in still new, have to still show everybody what I'm about. But then just doing it, you know, boom, there you go. This is what <laughs> I'm about.
1: That's it, bro. And uh, another, another question about your time early on in uh, uh, your WWF run. Uh, There was, there was an important stage that I felt in your career, which is, you know, we're in the middle of the invasion angle. Uh, We're heading towards no mercy 2001. I'm sure you've been asked about this before. And I've spent most of this interview trying to ask things that you might not have been asked before, but um, I felt like as a fan at the time, you were the, like the hottest thing in the company. And I kind of feel like this is almost like a precursor to somebody like Daniel Bryan, like clearly at one stage, the hottest thing in the company, but instead of the company going there and pulling the trigger and just being like, okay, look right now is maybe the time let's just, let's just do it. They kind of pull back. Like they've tried to pull back with Daniel Thankfully for him, he actually got to the, the fans complained enough that they they just did it anyway. But they I feel like they kind of pulled back on you and just tried to just pull the reins back, even though the I always heard them say don't go against the grain. Well, I kind of felt like they went against the grain. Would you agree with that?
0: I would I would agree. I have uh I have the same feelings, but In in trying to understand the bigger picture, I think that I was looked at probably as a bit of a wild card um, because of just being me, you know, the nonconformist I am, because I'm so different. If you watch my Icons uh, documentary, pretty much pretty much the story there is hey, he doesn't act like he really wants it, you know, or like he cares about enough. That's because of my Zen, you know, I'm not very dramatic. And that works against me sometimes, sometimes, and that pretty much, I think they got that right. I think that's how the WWE office saw me was that, that I didn't like want it enough or care enough, or I would have probably changed in some of the ways that they wanted me to change. Uh, and I didn't. So I think because of that, you know, because of the uh, cannabis use, because uh, I really didn't make any attempts to to try to fit in, you know, even when uh, they said to everyone show up early, we're gonna start working up in the ring before the show. I was like, fuck that, that's not for me. <laughs> you know? and I was always like that. So I could see where they might've seen me as a wild card not a safe bet necessarily to, to put everything on my shoulders. And then when I was on the t- top, it's cause I changed the entire playing field and made that possible by bringing ECW back. But then, you know, what happened? I think I, I think I proved them right. You know, when I, uh, when I had to drop the straps, that was a big blow to ECW and to the plans of what we were building at the time. And that was because of the possession of cannabis. So when I look at it like that and see the big picture, it doesn't seem entirely um, ridiculous for them to feel unsafe about me at that time.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, And uh, you did bring up a a bit of uh, the WWE's version of ECW. Uh, One Night Stand 06, the second one... uh, I I I only have one random question about this night. This is the night where you become the WWE world champion. Uh, the only question I want to ask was what went through your head when you saw the fans throwing John's shirt back in the ring over and over again? Because that to me is one of my favorite things that happened on that show. I was laugh- laughing, you know, that was just a
0: shoot. Fucking this is a hilarious kind of laugh. You know, I didn't didn't expect that. You know, um, that's a hell of a souvenir souvenir to take home with you from a pay-per-view John Cena shirt, you know? So that's pretty committed to throw it back at him, wipe your ass and throw it back at him. And uh, that's that's perfect for the energy that was at the Hammer, Hammerstein Ballroom because uh, everybody was 100% against him and what he stood for, 100% for me and everything that I stood for and the whole buildup for that match, I feel was like my whole career, you know, so that's why it was like so important for me. So I I really didn't allow myself to believe that I was going to be holding the gold up in the end until it actually happened. Skeptical till the very last moment.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I mean, A lot of times when there's a main event, there's got to be at least a couple of people in the audience that are going for, you know, um, the the heel or or the guy that you would expect most people wouldn't be going for. But this is definitely confirmed. We don't even need to go check. It's definitely 100% everyone was in your corner that night. That was a -a
0: (laughs) one-of-a-kind experience, you know. Over 30 years, I've never felt that kind of energy that that crowd had. And it was just, everything had to be perfectly aligned because they had to, first off, they had to be the original fans from the old ACW shows to even, uh, to even qual- qualify to, to, you know, at the, at the at the start of this idea, but uh, it, it was amazing. It was just fucking uh, amazing. And uh, I have seen Cena get booed before, like in Wales. I think it was the first time that I saw that in Cardiff Wales. He was so professional. He got on the microphone, told everyone how happy he is that they're voicing their opinion. And he'd rather have them do that than not make any noise because now he knows they're having a good time. And are you ready to roll? And he just turned the people right, right, <laughs> right over to him. And I was I was really impressed. But uh, yeah. This was a one of a whole career night where that that ECW New York vicious
1: crowd was uh, displaying their values. (laughs) Excellent, bro. Um, The next thing I wanted to talk about, I think maybe it was about two years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to interview uh, Bob Holly um, and he discussed your match together and how it was his favorite uh, that he ever had uh, in pro wrestling in his whole career. That was number one. Um, how do you feel about that match and working with Bob and obviously the situation with his back uh, getting that big cut but soldiering on true ECW style to get to the end of the match Uh, please tell me a little bit about that
0: Um, you know I went through different cycles of motivation when I was there you know sometimes feeling like okay you know i have I don't know what they're going to do with me when I first got there. They're going to probably change my name, whatever. I I don't know. But then I'm ECW representing the Alliance. I was like, wow, man, that's great. Like I, I had no idea. That's, that's great. I'm going to add depth to my career instead of uh, burying it and starting over. And then after a while things get, then I got the hardcore title. I'm like, awesome. Now I'm having fun again. I love the hardcore matches. Um, When we were bringing ECW back as a third brand, I was the most motivated I could I could have been. I was like so excited. Um, you know, I felt like uh quitting shortly before that. And now I'm like, dude, if I can wrestle the ECW style so I can be showcased the, the best way for me, but on WWE's stage, like that, that's huge, you know. Like if everyone gets a chance to see that. I believe enough people would, uh, even though it, it, it has like a cult, um, a cult and a sub anti society draw to it. But when you think about like really really big numbers, you think maybe there's still enough numbers of them, you know, to to have like a majority of uh, wrestling watchers. So, but anyway, um, uh, I, I was looking forward to wrestling. Like Bob Holly because uh, I had the ACW spirit in me. I was I was very proud of ECW and proud of my matches and stuff and I knew that he was really uh, stiff with the guys. I saw, saw him beating the shit out of a lot of guys. And I was just like, I was excited because I just knew I was gonna give it right back to him and I was gonna beat the shit out of him too. And uh, And I like those kind of matches. And so I was really looking forward to it and I really enjoyed Wrestling with him, uh, we wrestled quite a bit um, on a lot of non-televised shows, had quite a few matches, and uh, uh, I think we both got a lot out of it. The the night I want remember is when his back was like torn up uh, from uh, the, the metal trim around the table, I guess, sliced him, um, but uh, people forget he was doing the move to me. i'm pretty sure he was suplexing me or something so uh i don't know how i got blamed for for it
1: (laughs) yeah i remember when we talked to him about that um on the show uh it was kind of like at that stage it had been a while since they'd done anything with bob so it was kind of like oh bob's still awesome like we, we kind of forgot so I think he really it meant a lot to him that we felt that way, and that that match really meant a lot to him. So I thought I'd pass that along if he never awesome. had the chance
0: yeah, to. I appreciate that definitely. Um,
1: again, WWE, Cw. I know you kind of talked a little bit before about um when uh you know the you got pulled over and your all that stuff took place, and you got the t- title taken off you. Probably was what you know turn things around and, and maybe the, uh, the, the idea of this new ECW wasn't going to work out in Vince's eyes, but um, I want to ask you about those ECW house shows that took place soon after the second one night stand. It was June 24th at the old ECW arena in Philly. Um, you work with Kurt Angle in the main event with Dean Malenko as a special referee. You also work uh, July 1st in Belvernon and with big show. And then again in Huntington the next day with big show. Can you tell me what these shows were like um, before there was the actual TV product of, of ECW on Sci-Fi? Um, what were these little house shows like? No, you know, with the SmackDown roster as well, do they feel authentic? They. It
0: felt like walking backwards in time. Authentic in the in the way of make having a $50 budget to advertise each show you know and they I think they just mentioned on the internet and booked the old buildings and thought that our devoted fans would, would just show up so I was really disappointed that our crowds were so small you know a thousand, fifteen hundred people um, and it's it's like, we, I didn't want that. I didn't want to bring ECW back to where it wasn't 1996. You know, we'd already like built it up uh, quite a bit from there. And it was, we were doing like the Ross Raven, Ross Raven, Raver ice, uh, ice hockey rink in Pennsylvania, which was a shit hole. Um, I didn't like doing it with ECW totally didn't like doing it with WWE's version of ECW, you know? So, so that was really uh, that was really weird. It wasn't it wasn't pleasurable. You know what I mean? It's, I felt like almost like it was set up to fail.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I spoke to uh, Lou DeAngelis about the whole thing. He was working, I guess, in the office at the time, um, and he was kind of in charge of doing all of that stuff. So his his version of events is quite interesting as well. Uh, especially when he told me about how he went into Tommy's hotel room to let him know that um, he's heard rumors that they were just going to kill this thing. So that's, it's sad for us fans. Um, And I say that I'm a fan of ECW, even though I never watched any of the original one before it was all over, but now I've gone back, I've seen it all. So that was heartbreaking for me as a fan that this thing wasn't going to work out. Um, ECW Arena, now the 2300 Arena. The last time, from my research, you worked there was teaming with Bully Ray to face Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn for Battleground Championship Wrestling on September 18th last year. Um, outside of anything in related, in ring related, sorry. What are your fondest memories of the arena? um outside of wrestling huh (laughs) um
0: long nights you know it seemed like uh seemed like the nights just lasted forever and ever and ever and i wouldn't not even worry about who's up or what match they're on i'd be smoking with whoever um usually in the back parking lot and uh you know every once in a while just maybe check in with the show and like dude are we are we up yet we still got a long time you know, the night seemed to last so long, but the crowds were great. And especially when I first got to ECW um, and I was up on, up on the second floor, we're looking through a hole in the wall to watch the show. Um, and I couldn't believe they kept on doing themselves. And it, it just, I remember after the first ECW show that I saw, there was such a big pop at the end. The crowd was so, you know, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. I just thought like, uh, how how are they ever going to top that? But the next time we were there, boom, they topped it. And then, uh, and and then I realized that's what it was all about. And and Paul always found a way to top it. At least prospectively, there was a, you know, it was like, boom, now the lights are out. Holy shit, this is awesome. You know, and like, he always found a way to top the last one. And that's something that that I uh, that I took but the crowd was great and the crowd had to put that demand on all of us in order for that to even be possible but I did uh I did take a, a lot of a lot of that by trying to outdo my own moves you know like going from the the Van Daminator to to jumping off the top rope and kicking him having him crotch halfway down the rope and fly and kicking the chair or not them on the guardrail and doing the van damenate or whatever i was always trying to come up with like new new ways to to put a twist on it or whatever and uh and i think that's part of why i fit so damn good with
1: ecw absolutely um i want to now bring up impact wrestling we haven't got too long to go in the interview here rob so again thank you for your time but i thought it, it wouldn't be right if i didn't bring up uh some of your time in impact wrestling and
0: by the way i will be at the ECW arena uh december 19th as well so um i'm booked to have a a, ma- a match there coming up
1: oh cool well um yeah. that's that's good and uh, i'll make sure that we put uh, any information on of that in our uh description on youtube um so impact um one thing i just want to ask you about cuz i i looked on youtube i looked online i couldn't see any sort of uh comments from you about working with sting. Um, I always thought to myself as a fan, how surreal it kind of felt at that stage of my fandom and wrestling to be seeing RVD versus sting take place. How, how did you like that that mix of styles between you two? Um, I, I enjoyed it, you know,
0: um, every match really is a compromise. You know what I mean? Cause you're two different people that, two different brains and or four or six how many people are in the match but um, uh, I enjoyed uh, obviously obviously I watched him you know when I was growing up so it it was like an honor at the same time um, if anyone was going to be taking crazy bumps it was going to be me you know during during the match which I um, would try to get in you know um, and still make it extreme even if it was Doing a crossbody off the uh, bleachers or, or whatever, but um, I I enjoyed it. Um, and uh, Sting was always super cool um, in and out of the ring to me.
1: That's cool, bro. Um, the recent match that you've just had, you you got the opportunity to wrestle at Noah again, uh, teaming with Masato Tanaka against Nasawa and uh, Super Crazy on the sixteenth. Uh, so this is quite recent. Please tell me about that experience. There, I saw some footage of the match. You've still got it, like you—it's unbelievable. <laughs> you still look the exact same as you were like 20 years ago. So please tell me about that match.
0: So it was at the uh, Tokyo Budokan, which which is a building that I came up in in the in the business, starting to wrestle there when I was 22 for All Japan. Pro- pro wrestling through like uh, 99 our all Japan tour would always end at the Budokan. So it was really cool. It was a lot of full circle kind of shit happening in my brain coming back to Japan uh, after being gone so long and remembering when I was on the other side of the card, you know, trying to work my way up. Um, And uh, so it, it it was really cool. The fans, if anything, they're over appreciative I think, as far as, you know, their, their, their reactions and how, and how they've taken to me uh, coming back. Um, one thing that's weird, because of COVID, uh, the restrictions are high there. They're not allowed to make a lot of noise. Oh, so, really? yeah, so when you're trying to work with the crowd and connect with the crowd, they're, they're literally not going to scream at you. They, the, their octave can only get so high and then they can clap but they're not even allowed to uh, to shout in public because of the spray that comes out of your mouth. So that wow. made it really different. That made it really different. But I have experience wrestling in the st- studios in front of nobody when COVID started, you know, and that, one, that sucked too. It <laughs> <That> sucked worse.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. But yeah, I saw some of the uh, footage of the match and I, I still can't believe Masada Tanaka. He it- looks so so great it's like he almost looks younger now than he did uh back in back in yeah. the day <laughs> yeah,
0: i'm always um, happy to see when my pe- when my peers can uh, still go
1: yeah <laughs> that's it yeah I was, um
0: I've i had, was, had a match since then by the way i don't know if you know that or not that was july 16th and the next saturday july 23rd i just had a match in uh, canada with, oh um,
1: right yeah that is right yeah you did wrestle um canning pecker
0: here but yes
1: you you had a was it a hardcore match with um you've worked with yeah. the guy a few times already um
0: yep so this is our second this is our second match looks like we might have to have a third now but uh channing decker and that's uh, it yeah it was uh this was like 35 minutes singles match in uh in japan it was a tag match you know which makes it a little bit uh, easier already just because of the amount of people that are in the ring. But um, I really like Noah and it's, you know, the whole story of Noah with the ark, and you know, the second chance, God's trying to rebuild people or whatever. Uh, It's kind of interesting how like my, my career seems like I got like a rejuvenated this year. Like I, I'm I'm wrestling a lot and my body is feeling better than it has in like 10 years. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, the the parallels
1: there. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, yeah. I wanted to give this uh, point of the interview a, a chance for you to uh, plug anything else that is going on right now with uh, RVD.
0: Yeah. So you can follow me on YouTube and everywhere at the, at the real, RVD, man, I've had these hiccups for two days. That happens to me every (laughs) once in a while. It's very annoying. Um, We got, uh, you know, I'm working here in the States, you know, on the um, RVD CBD, spent a lot of time on that. We don't ship it internationally, so I won't get too much into into booking that, but that's a a big part of uh, what I'm doing in ways that I'm trying to help people and 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 being successful at it, really helping a lot of people that um sometimes didn't get benefits from uh, other things that they tried and stuff so very uh very proud of my product and uh, uh I spend a lot of time on that uh, um what else is there to tell the fans about what is it july august well uh september october november gonna be uh not 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 coming to australia but i'm coming to the uk in october um uh, wrestling in uh duncaster and then signing in london and then cork ireland and then uh edinburgh um uh where's that one that like this monsters looks from <laughs> scotland yeah <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah it, it's uh it's, it's cool to, you know, I've always said like in interviews for years when people ask, you know, like, what did, what do you like, uh, want to do or hope to do or goals or whatever? I always say consistency. My life is awesome. I'd be happy, happy as could be if it just continued the way, uh, that it always has. Yeah. So nothing, a uh, huge, uh, comes to mind as, as far as plugging anything, um, I always, have my hand in a bunch of different projects, you know, and my, my WWE video game just came out. I got a Funko pop coming out a new action figure coming out. All that's cool. Uh, but uh, uh, outside of that, who knows when uh, stuff will come to uh, to tuition, but uh, I would appreciate it if you check out my YouTube page and uh, subscribe, comment, hit the thumbs up button. Bam.
1: The real RVD. Cool, and everyone out there, once again, I will put links to everything that I could possibly find possibly. on RVD and what he's doing and what he has done in the description. Okay, Rob, it's time to get to the final segment of the interview. Five second frenzy. It technically it's supposed to have five seconds to answer each question, but it's okay. It's, it's, you're not going to get in trouble if shorter, you're shorter. The
0: the better though. Huh? <laughs>
1: right. That's right. Um, first one. Who is your favorite professional wrestler of all time? Uh, Sabu. Excellent. Uh favorite opponent over the years. Oh, uh, you're not gonna like the Sabu. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, uh last one about wrestling, I promise. Uh favorite, if you could pick one match, one match that's your favorite. What is it? Of mine. Yeah. Of my
0: match. Um the uh, one night stand with uh, with Cena because of all the elements that we discuss
1: that made yep. it special very nice getting away from wrestling now favorite book favorite book um, Casino very nice uh favorite tv show
0: uh, maybe uh maybe it's uh
1: neighborhood wars <laughs> <laughs> very nice uh do you have, do you have a favorite film well I usually, I usually
0: think of Casino for that as well. That's, that's kind of how I was thinking of the, um, uh, is probably my, my favorite film, Casino, Goodfellas. He, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and a TV show that was really good, but it was limited, it was uh, called The Offer. And it was about the making of um, Godfather how they dealt with uh, uh-huh. Joe Colombo in New York and, and everything. And it was it was really, really good. But it was like 10 or 12 episodes and it, it's
1: done now. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, moving from TV and film, uh, favorite musical artist or band? Ooh, I want to change my book to, to uh, <clears throat> Sam Giancano's autobiography.
0: It's, uh, what is it called? Uh, um, Double Cross. That's gonna. I'm going to name that as my favorite book okay I can do that it's my favorites Um, (laughs) what was the question
1: (laughs) favorite band or musical artist
0: oh uh, how about
1: Cypress Hill (laughs) sweet bro sweet Uh, (laughs) getting away uh, from the arts now uh, favorite food um
0: chicken and it's embryonic stage
1: chicken embryos <laughs> very nice uh do you have a favorite place to eat on the road cracker barrel excellent choice uh this one i'm throwing this one in specifically for you because i also asked this when i interviewed the godfather do you have a favorite strain of weed
0: Probably not, not yeah, I could name a couple I could throw down like blue dream, you know, is is up there. <gasps> well, actually, actually, I, I did, but it's not it's just no longer, long, longer around. It's it was called um, tangerine and it, it was like it was magical weed because after you smoked it, it smelled like somebody sprayed air freshener around the room. <laughs> It was amazing. It tasted like it had vitamin C crushed up in it, um, but it disappeared. And then it came back after like 12 years and supposedly it was found in the bottom of a closet of some college kids uh, dorm. <laughs> and so they grew it again for a minute. And And now all you get is derivatives that are like uh, hybrids that have <laughs> right. hopefully some tanzarine uh, genetics in them still. But
1: <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, that, that- that sounds like a teenager's dream strain. What Godfather,
0: so.
1: uh, he's Godfather. An OG Kush. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, three to go, Rob. Three to go. Uh, favorite beverage or favorite alcoholic beverage if you like to drink?
0: Uh,
1: IPA. Very nice. Very good decision there. Uh Two to go, Rob. The naughtiest one of five second frenzy favorite female body part. You see a good looking lady. Where will Rob's eyes go to first?
0: Um. Honestly, I think I think the face is overlooked in the in the question because in reality, like. The face kind of starts how much more research you want to put into it usually.
1: <laughs> so face her ass. Very good. Uh and the last one, Rob, favorite curse word. Um I wanna say damn.
0: <laughs> but but uh, I, I believe uh I believe uh I, I'm much more fonder of using uh using the F word and
1: throwing fucking whenever it's, whenever it's appropriate. <laughs> Excellent, Rob. Well, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk with me here today. It really means a lot to me. You're a big part of my fandom in pro wrestling. Uh, and just to have the opportunity to have a conversation with you, hear some stories from your life, uh, it really means a lot to me. And I just hope you're so proud of what you've uh, accomplished across your, your awesome life. You've done so many great, cool things. Uh, And I just want to let you know that right here, Perth, Western Australia, we all appreciate you, my friend. Awesome. I appreciate that. Appreciate Perth as well. (laughs) Thanks, Rob. And thank you all out there for joining us here for the Insider's Edge podcast on the WCWA Network. I'm California. This is RVD. And I will see you all down the road. Thank you.